You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, October 13th. My name, as always, and maybe forever, is Javier Reyes, your host of this here Lockdown Padres podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres. Or you can check out my personal account, which is at Javabeno, which is J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, please hit me up on either of those accounts with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have. I will be. It's coming, guys. Just, just wait till I give the signal. On my order! You guys can send me your mailbag questions. You can wait for that. I'm definitely going to be doing some mailbags over the course of the next uh, few weeks and months as we head into kind of the, the winter meetings and all that. Um, today's episode, guys, is also brought to you by Built Bar. Remember to go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order. And today's episode is a very short one. Uh, maybe maybe not a short one, because as you guys always know, I always end up talking longer than I thought, uh, but a very simple one. Just going to be talking about how kind of my thoughts on the playoffs, because believe it or not, yes, those things are still happening. Uh, I know it doesn't feel like that because the Padres are God, but that is still happening with the ALCS and NLCS. And then just talking about some news updates. Before we get into all that, though, I just wanted to recommend everyone go check out uh, Locked On MLB today by my man Sully, who was great. And he did an episode on the late uh, Joe Morgan, who passed away just yesterday. Uh Hall of Fame type second base, but incredible player for the Reds. Uh, led the league in OPS multiple times, I think, and on base percentage, and just was was an amazing player when you look at kind of his numbers back in the day. And um, Sully did a really great episode just talking about his his legacy, not just as a player, but also involved in this this just really heinous uh, racial profiling incident of him. And it kind of shows, you know, no matter what level you're at, I guess, no matter what success you have, you can still be the target of bigotry and hatred in this country and all over the world, really. So I think that it was just a really great episode. I highly recommend check everybody checking that out. But now let's talk about what I want to talk about, everybody, for today's episode. Firstly, let's talk about uh, last night. Maybe you were, uh, you know, Padres fans. It's likely that you were also uh, Chargers fans which means that you were watching the depressing conclusions of last night's game, which means you may not have seen uh, the report on Tommy Pham, who was uh, who was in a victim of a stabbing incident yesterday. Reading from the San Diego Tribune, uh, Padres outfielder Tommy Pham was injured in an altercation Sunday night outside a Midway District strip club and underwent surgery for a stab wound in his lower back, the team and player said Monday. San Diego police said Pham was stabbed about 10.35 Sunday night outside Pacers Showgirls International on Midway Drive west of Rosecrans Street. According to two people who spoke with Pham, the incident happened when Pham was leaving the club and came upon an argument occurring near his car. According to one of the people, Pham was attacked after asking the people involved in the argument, who he did not know, to get away from his car. Police described the injury as a, in quotes, slash wound that was not life-threatening. No organs were damaged, and Pham received stitches to close the wound that pierced all three layers of skin. I'd like to thank the credible medical staff at UC San Diego for taking such great care of me last night, Pham said in its statement released by the team. I truly appreciate the hard work of the San Diego Police Department, as well as they continue their search for the suspects. What was very traumatic and eye-opening experience for me, I'm on the road to recovery, and I know I'll be back to my off-season training routine in no time. So yes, very scary situation. I'm not going to start talking and not going to segue into how was Tommy Pham for us this year and what was it like for the... I think that is the inopportune time. Bottom line is I'm glad to hear the guy is okay. That's scary. 
And I'm not going to lie, I don't know if everybody's seen the uh, the documentary, uh, I think it was, uh, the two Escobars uh, that the 30 for 30, the 30 for 30 series uh, put out uh, at ESPN. And that was like, that one ended poorly, you know what I mean, with an altercation with uh, fans. And that one was actually, I think a shooting actually, that killed um, Andres Escobar. And it was just an, an insane story. So, you know, every time I hear about this stuff, I'm always worried. So, yeah, everybody out there, be safe and whatnot. You know, not, j- you know, you got to wear your mask, you know, kind of try to social distance suit for sure. But also just be careful out there. Uh, people can be, uh, you know, a little out there, I guess you could say. It's dangerous times indeed. And as evidenced by Mr. Warlock, are we allowed to call him that again? Because he was really great at the playoffs. He's one of the best players in the playoffs. Are we allowed to call Tommy Pham the Warlock again? I don't know. And as uh, in the case with Mr. Pham, you know, clearly it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, you can still got to be careful wherever you're going. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is, I want a happier note, is uh, Trevor Hoffman. Happy birthday, sir. Turning 53 or 54 today, not which sure exact, I don't know if Wikipedia has updated me, but shout out to him. As some people have complained on the podcast that I didn't know what Trevor Time meant, I did. I was being facetious when I said that uh, back in the day when I was like, oh, what's Trevor Time? That's what I meant, as some people have commented um, early days of the episode. But, you know, I will say this, and this is true, I never really got to see Trevor Hoffman pitch because basically the highlight, the the, the peak of his career was kind of in that like 95 to 2006 type of range. Still a very consistent closer basically throughout his whole career and his peak season kind of coming in 1998 when the Padres made the World Series and he saved 53 games with a K per 9 of 10.6 and an ERA of an absolutely phenomenal 1.48, the lowest that he would have for the entire um, the entirety of his career for a single season. And just, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? I can't really attest to my favorite moments because during that time, yes, I was born and I was, like, watching baseball a little bit back in those days, but not, like, heavy, hardcore, really. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't reading blogs. I wasn't paying attention to every single game. And I was still a Yankee fan at the time, for sure. I wasn't sentient enough to know the error of my ways, I guess you could say. Uh, So, you know, I don't really have much to speak about the guy, but it really seems like he was just one of those dudes that... Uh, all the Padres fans really were just in love with, you know what I mean? It's like him and Tony Gwynn, obviously, the two Hall of Famers. And it's kind of amazing to look back at that 96-98 uh, t- type of stretch um, that the Padres really had some amazing players on that team. Three Hall of Famers, in fact. You guys can check out that uh, that episode I did uh, back in the day, back during quarantine, the time machine of the 1996 team, otherwise known as the year I was born. Um, they had three Hall of Famers on that team with Ricky Henderson, Tony Gwynn, and Trevor Hoffman, which is just kind of amazing that those guys all ended up being Hall of Famers, I guess. I feel like, you know, we all expected it, especially around that time uh, with Ricky Henderson and probably Tony Gwynn, but Trevor Hoffman would be just as good, and that was his best, uh, his best season was in 98, but still, I just, I find it so interesting that the year I was born, the Padres had three Hall of Famers on their team even if one of them, uh, Mr. Ricky Henderson, was probably past his prime at that point. But yeah, shout out to Trevor Hoffman. You are a legend, sir, in Padres lore and in baseball lore in general. But now I just want to talk about, you know, really quickly, just some of my thoughts on uh, the ALCS and NLCS. ALCS, as far as I'm concerned, is extremely simple. Everybody, you're rooting for the Tampa Bay Rays. Screw the Astros. Anybody who disagrees is just an Astros fan or is just a troll who likes to mess around and hope for, I guess, uh, just absolute chaos to happen and for everybody to be upset. Do not be one of those guys, guys. I know it's tempting every now and then in life when you hate, you feel 
feel like nobody's listening to you and you're you're just upset so you're like you know what my thing is going to be just annoying people all the time because I'm just that will make me happy don't be like that guys the Tampa Bay Rays are up currently 2-0 on the Astros which is great and I think that to a degree it's expected because while the Astros are definitely not bad this isn't a bad team this isn't like the Miami Marlins who really just had a roster that in no way should have been a playoff team especially probably if the the season kind of uh, unfolded regularly they probably would have declined like a regular team does the Tampa Bay Rays certainly aren't that I mean their pitching is deep and they're one of those teams I mean everyone's talking about Arenza or I forgot Arena, but for the most part um Arena wasn't necessarily like their best player I guess in the regular season he wasn't this guy that I think anybody has expected this from he was pretty solid at the time that he did play in the regular season bang 281 382 641 for sure but uh that's what's so funny is this team doesn't really have a true sort of MVP type of player with the exception of maybe someone like Yandy Diaz but even him you know he's he didn't play as many games and he ba- he's batting 307 which is great and 428 OBP but not a lot of slugging with a 386 slugging percentage which is pretty nuts uh and for the most part they don't have like their Fernando Tatis or Manny Machado or even Will Myers or even Eric Hosmer it's mostly just these guys who it's next man up with their offense, just a new kind of guy every single day, just kind of coming in and contributing. You know what I mean? Rosarina is the guy of the postseason. Then it's Jimen Choi who hits a home run against the Yankees. Like, it's very, very up and down. It's very, it's a good offense, but it's an offense that is not built and predicated on the success of just one or two players. It's just like this random bench guy will come in and be great. It's one of those type of teams. And in a lot of ways, it's a very classic Rays team. And then their pitching has been outstanding, obviously, as it always is, um, with just a super deep bullpen with guys like Nick Anderson, whose ERA is 0.55. Like, he's been amazing. And even Peter Fairbanks is pretty good, Diego Castillo. Uh, and then they've just got, like, a rotation that you kind of feel confident in with Tyler Glass now, Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, Josh Fleming, like, all these guys that you feel like you can throw out. Um, and they're up 2-0. And they're up 2-0 for good reason. You know, they are a better team than the Astros. I don't want to hear anything about it. That's really, I don't want to say anymore because bottom line is they're 2 and I feel like the more I talk about this, the more I'm afraid that I might jinx it. Uh, they're going to be playing tonight, actually, uh, at 8.40, and it's expected that Ryan Yarbrough is going to be starting for them. I just think that the Rays have this in the bag. I think that as much as the, the Astros are talking smack, I think they've got this. Um, but you know what else? I think has everything covered. You know what else is super reliable? You know, you can bet on them maybe. You just know that they're going to come through. That's rockauto.com, guys. Yes, that is right. Like I said, I'm just getting better and better with the transitions. Vroom, vroom, Everybody, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts does that make any sense to you no it should not because you have a brain and if you have a brain you should know it makes no sense so guys go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com 
And now let's talk about the NLDS series, which is currently one nothing after last night's game, which was uh, just one one note, really incredible moment in the ninth inning when the Braves had all those home runs, and one of them was caught by their closer, Mark Melanson. And my only thought on this series, I still think, look, let's not write off the Dodgers, but Clayton Kershaw was scratched from his start today. And instead, it's actually going to be Tony Gonsolin going for the Dodgers. And while I do think that, uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw has been their best pitcher, one thing I will say is that, you know, Tony Gonsolin, especially against the Padres this year, he was really excellent. In his first start against them, he went four and two-thirds innings, only gave up three hits, and struck out eight while only walking one. And the second time he faced the Padres, he went seven innings, only giving up one earned run on four hits, with no walks, only two strikeouts, but still, ERA is low, of course. So really, I'm going to be watching out for that. Yes, Clayton Kershaw is their guy, but remember, guys, the Dodgers are extremely deep, so I'm still picking them to win the series. I kind of, I mean, we're all rooting for the Braves, don't get me wrong, but uh, I just think that they've got so much depth to, you know, if, if they have have some type of this random you know thing injury with Kershaw whatever it is that they can still kind of pick it up and that their bats hopefully will pick it up too I'm not exactly thinking that Nick Anderson will be or Ian Anderson my mistake I was getting mixed up with the Tampa guy I think that he's finally going to go against and pitch some a team that could definitely hit so that zero ERA isn't going to be the case for much longer at least that's my prediction but I must say though the Braves when you go and look at that team, man, they've got a lot more than just a high-powered offense. You know what I'm saying? I think that that team, on for because a lot of people heading to the season, the Braves for a while have been this team, at least the past like three or so years, where it feels like they've got like one starting pitcher and then that's it. And that was kind of the case, except Max Freed, who, if longtime listeners of the podcast remember on my, uh, you know, season preview thing with Sir Daniel Epstein, uh, I predicted. I was like, I was really looking forward to watching Max Freed pitch because I thought he was going to be good. And he was good. This year, he finished with an ERA of 2.25 with a K per nine of eight and with a whip of just 1.089. Um, he was great this year. You know, he, he was absolutely fantastic. Only gave up two home runs, like a very, very quality starting pitcher. He was one of those guys. And the reason why I'm so excited about it, I also had him on my fantasy team, which helps even in my broken fascist run uh, dictatorship of a league that I was in this year. He was just uh, a fantastic type of a pitcher even though he only went like five or six innings he didn't really match and go up to seven innings all that much the closest he got actually I think was at the very beginning of the season when he it was just his second game against the the Rays actually uh oddly enough we just finished talking about them when he went six and two-thirds of an inning but for the most part he's like a five inning six inning guy which is fine by the way do not get me wrong that's still fine but uh you know just to see that kind of happen that this guy is kind of almost indicative of where baseball is going potentially where you just got to go five innings potentially you don't need guys who go eight or nine or anything like that but Max Fried by all minds has been great really picking up for the fact that the Braves lost Mike Soroka who was kind of one of their uh actually not kind of was their ace last year and was able to kind of pick up and give them the next ace that they needed for a team that isn't necessarily known for their starting pitching it's definitely more known for their offense but even their bullpen is pretty good with Mark Melanson who if you guys caught last night he caught the home run that was hit in that um, ninth inning which was amazing um and then they've got guys like Tyler Matzik and Shane Green even Darren O'Day is pretty solid like they've still got some pitchers so don't get me wrong this is a well-rounded team and the big thing I think a lot of people are going to be talking about is Freddie Freeman you know Freddie Freeman should he win the MVP this year my take was originally when a few weeks ago I talked about this for the first time that I mean I, I really want Machado to win because I guess my the biggest 
point of this because I think as an offensive player, Freddie Freeman in basically every way was a lot better. You know what I mean? This is a guy that batted 341, 462 on base with an OPS over 1.100, 1.102. But you, you get what I'm saying? 13 homers. He was excellent. He walked more than he struck out. He was excellent in that respect. I think in terms of a statistical thing, the one thing Machado might have going for him is just his excellent defense at third base and occasionally in right field when he would just make some outrageous catches that we will be talking about over the coming weeks as I put together my favorite moments of the year list. Um, So that would be kind of the biggest thing in terms of statistical output that I would uh, volunteer as evidence why Manny Machado win. And the other thing is I really do think there is something to be said for the story of what the Padres were this year and how he had like kind of a slow first year and for him to kind of bounce back in his own way not a comeback player of the year or anything like that but bounce back in his own way and just come back and give the Padres a season they needed from him very much needed I know there was a lot of other guys but trust me man Padres needed him and he had some great moments the the grand slam against the Rangers is is absolutely just like his defining moment so I think from that perspective Padres are just more of a story that being said I would not be at all upset I've, I've come to terms with Freddie Freeman winning the MVP, especially if, if the team ends up making the World Series potentially. You know, I know that my pick is the Dodgers, but if they make the World Series, heck, I could definitely see that. You know, this isn't going to be, you know, I'm on the record saying I don't really know if Mike Trash should have won the MVP last year because, bottom line, the team wasn't very good. And I know that baseball is the one uh, sport you have to isolate the numbers from the totality of the team and everything that the team has assembled and what have you. But I just felt like, ah, the team won like 75 games. Alex Bregman, it's not like his stats were that that much inferior to Mike Trout's to constitute that he should have uh, lost the MVP to him necessarily, especially when the Astros were good. Don't get me wrong, boo the Astros, but we didn't know at the time to boo the Astros for that reason. You know what I'm saying? So in, in that particular instance, I think that Alex Bregman should have won the MVP last year. You know, just reading for baseball reference right now, I mean, he literally actually outpaced Mike Trout in war. I didn't realize that he did outpace him in total war when you had taken into account Alex Bregman's defense, which, of course, people neglected to do. He finished with a war last year of 9.1, thanks to a 1.9 uh, war defensively, while Mike Trout had an insane offensive war season with an 8.3. Probably should have ended up winning it the year before when he was MVP2, which is when he had a 9.2 offensive war and 1.3 defensive war, giving him a total of 10.2. But yeah, last year I was like, why, man? And the, the, the Astros were really good last year, so I didn't really understand that. So yeah, that's just my thoughts on that. Shout out Baseball Reference provided me the numbers and stuff for, for me to form that opinion. I just think, you know, every now and then we get a little bit too carried away with the numbers. And I think Mike Trout last year was kind of uh, the case of that. But yeah, I'm going to be watching these games. Might recap some of them tomorrow if something especially nice happens. But I think tomorrow's podcast, guys, since that's basically rounding up all my thoughts for today's pod, I think tomorrow's podcast, the second half, is going to be talking about what I'm expecting from the Padres in the offseason. Because honestly, honestly, I'm not totally sure how I feel about the team heading into next year in terms of what they should do, in terms of what they should acquire. I don't think that this, the answer is so cut and dry. And I know how fans like to be, they well, obviously, we need outfield. Go get Azuna. Go get Trevor Bauer. This and this stuff. But I don't know because I don't think it's that, you know, simple. And I'm going to tell you exactly why I don't think it's that simple and roster constraints and salaries and and positional stuff. And maybe, oh, is there, is, are there free agents next year that might be more enticing? Are there not free agents that may be more enticing? I think that there really is a lot of interesting variables to what the Padres should do in the offseason. So I'm going to be spending a lot of episodes talking about that, kind of going through my thought process as more information and more details are kind of learned and the 
rumors kind of start trickling out during the winter meetings because honestly, right now, guys, it's not so cut and simple. I really think that the Pirates have a very interesting offseason. And AJ Preller, he is a madman. So believe me, he's probably going to end up making more deals than even even if I say he's going to be aggressive this offseason, he's going to be even more aggressive because that's just how crazy this man is. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Padres could literally go out and side Trevor Bauer tomorrow and it would surprise me, but then give me a few minutes and I'd be like, wow, already the offseason's done. And then he could sign Marcus Stroman the very next day. You know what I mean? So so who knows exactly? But uh, with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever it'll be on there. Just give it a little search in your little search bar. And be sure to follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres. And my personal account, which is always poppin', which is at Javapeno, which is J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Feel free to send me some reviews on the iTunes uh, Apple Podcast app if you would like. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.